What's up, guys? Welcome into the F6 Football Podcast. Cam Copeland here with co-host Alex Rogelin. And today, we're going to be going over all things Commanders. We're going to be going over the change in ownership, off-season grades, projections, offense, defense, you name it. So that is what we are going to be diving right into. But first, Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Cam. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a bit of a busy week, but preseason is kind of seems like it's going by slowly but uh every day we're getting closer to regular season and closer to real football um so i'm i'm excited man yeah the preseason it's just starting week two tonight uh, it's yep. thursday night and i feel like it's already been three weeks so i know what's up with that but i'm ready for some some real starters to get out there yeah, absolutely. You know, and 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 I always and I don't totally. I, I guess I understand why, but I feel like that week in between preseason and the first the first game, which will be the Lions and the Chiefs this year, that week seems to take forever. And I know it's there because you know you have after you have the roster cutdowns, then it's like you know teams are trying to fill their practice squads, and there's some some transactions. But you know, I just feel like that week drags on because then the first game's not till Thursday of the following week. So it's like a good 10 or 11 days with nothing. Um, and then, and then week, everything starts. That, that's <laughs> fantasy football week right there. That's right. That's right. Most that's important right. couple weeks of the year for some people. <laughs> so, yeah, why don't we uh, just go ahead and jump right into the commanders? Sound good? That sounds great, Cam. All right. So I want to start off uh, just with a brief overview. And how can I start anywhere other than ownership, right? Because finally, there is a new owner of the Washington Commanders. Josh Harris bought it from Dan Snyder, or should I say the Josh Harris Group, for $6.05 billion. Now, just for a quick history lesson, uh, Dan Snyder bought the Redskins in 1999 for $800 million. And that was, at the time, the most expensive transaction in the history of sports, period. So come a long way to get up to $6.05 billion from Josh Harris Group, which includes Magic Johnson, which is always a little bit fun to say. Um, so uh, tis a new beginning. And as Josh Harris has always said, trust the process, right? <laughs> yes, that's so, right. And I actually have a quick story for you, Cam. Yeah. The, uh, the uh, related to Dan Schneider. So when I when I was in college, I went and saw the Chiefs play at FedEx Field against the Redskins, and um, I we we got like really cheap. I was a poor college student, so we got like nosebleed seats at the very top. Um, but then one of the one of the one of the people in the group had uh, an aunt that was like lower deck. So at halftime, we went down and we were somewhere around the fifty. Um, and this was one of those years when the Chiefs and the Redskins were terrible. I mean, I think the game ended up like nine to six or something. Like most years, it, it yeah. was it was a terrible game. Um, but I do remember more than the game itself. I remember the entire second half. Uh, Dan Schneider's booth was at back behind where we were sitting, and the entire time they just chanted "Fire Dan Schneider, Fire <laughs> Dan Schneider." The whole second half, like the the Redskins fans weren't even watching the game. Like they were literally turned around the opposite direction of the field, just pumping their fist fire dan schneider and what so, year was this uh this would have been in 2010 either Jeez. 2009 2010 somewhere in there long time coming yeah you're dating me now making me feel old but uh <laughs> but either way it was uh that was my that was my my first and only uh, uh fedex field experience fedex field is historically known for uh the experiences it provides so <laughs> uh all right well i'm going to jump into uh, a quick overview of the team itself 
uh, just this last year. They went eight, eight and one, extremely average. And under Dan Snyder, let, let me just add, there was a his the Dan Snyder era win record was 164 wins to 220 losses, which is a 42.7% win rate, and then a postseason record of two and six. So not a good showing over you know the last several decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and among these issues lately, uh, we've had a you know road, revolving door of quarterbacks. So in 2017, uh, there was Kirk Cousins at the helm, and then. Here are the starting quarterbacks since just 2018. Josh Johnson, Mark Sanchez, Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Garrett Gilbert, Taylor Heineke, Carson Wentz, and finally Sam Howell. So you've had a couple of guys, a couple of guys coming in. And, you know, we're going into this next season with Sam Howell at the helm. Now, the Vegas projections right now are... Uh, 6.5 wins uh, with a odds on division at plus 1300 with the 24th uh, most or 24th easiest strength of schedule. So what are your thoughts of this team overall, Alex, just, just right now heading into this upcoming season, new owner. And yeah. Now. I mean, I think, I think in some ways the, the only way is up, right? Um, I mean, you know, uh, with the new owner, I think that will, I think that's certainly provided, you know, a, a lot of excitement maybe that hasn't been there in many years, um, you know, especially because, you know, for those of you that don't know, you know, uh, we live here. I, I'm in Richmond. Cam is up in the in the northern Virginia area. Um, and so, I, you know, we live sort of in, I guess, what you would call, you know, Washington territory for, for, for probably a lot of regional fans. And there's definitely been a lot more buzz around the team this season. And I don't necessarily think it's because the team itself. I think that new ownership has just sort of injected life back into the franchise. Um, and so I, I think, I think there's a level of excitement that hasn't been there. Um, but I mean, I, 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 this is one of the harder, harder teams I think to predict. Um, so I'm really excited that, you know, that we're going to go over this show and I'm excited to hear some of your takes on, on, uh, on a lot of these projections cam. Cause I honestly don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think that I, I just think it's so volatile. This team could be, oh, yeah. this team could be terrible. Um, or this team could be <laughs> a sneaky playoff team. You know, uh, so we'll see, man. I'm excited to hear your takes on it and, and as we dive more into it. Yeah, but as you said, the important thing right now, uh, you know, fans are reinvigorated. They're showing up at the practices, right? They're actually, you know, they're they're actually going this year as opposed to the last couple of years. And they're selling seats. And clearly, uh, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, people are buying more more gear and merchandise from the team. This is episode three in my my third time wearing a Washington commanders something or other. So I'm excited uh, and I'm ready to see what the team has in store. So let's start with um, just one, one more quick overview note that I did not add. And that is uh, just coaching changes, right? Mm-hmm. Because they kept Ron Rivera. They kept Jack Del or head coach. They kept Jack mm-hmm. Del Rio defensive coordinator, but they brought in Eric Bieniemy from your beloved chiefs mm-hmm. so that it just wraps up the overview we're going to be getting into exactly what that means for the team here in a minute uh but before we do that alex what are your projections for this team i know you said it could be volatile but what, what are you thinking right now yeah yeah i mean uh you're putting me on the spot uh which is good this is that's what we do on this show you know we, we you know <laughs> we, we like to we like to, to hold our own feet to the fire as i like to say um 
I, I think they're going to be average. Um, and we'll talk more about that as we, as we go on. But yeah, I mean, I, I got them around maybe seven and 10 if I had to pick it. You know, what, what did you say the over under was, Cam? 6.5. Okay. So I'm going to, so I guess I'll take the over, but barely, you know, uh, barely. So I got them somewhere around seven, 10, I think. Um, what about you? Well, my fandom will come out throughout the show, but not right now because I have them with six wins currently. Okay. Uh, so we're we're both hovering right around that 6.5 mark. Uh, it seems to be a reasonable a reasonable mark by Vegas as they typically mm-hmm. do. Um, so to just piggyback off of that, my projections for this team, right? Six and 11, which will give them roughly the sixth, seventh, eighth-ish draft pick next year, which uh, depending on how other teams do. And that, that's kind of an unfortunate spot to be in if you have that few wins and you're unsure about your quarterback. So if we hit that six or seven win mark, hopefully Sam Howell can prove that he he is a guy uh, or the guy for the mm-hmm. foreseeable future so we can allocate resources elsewhere. Because if we, we don't have a top you know, two pick in the draft and we're looking for a quarterback, then it could be a little bit of a rough offseason. Again, bringing in new new guys to the, to add to the list of quarterbacks starting for this team. So that that's that is my my current projection. I also believe that Rivera and Del Rio will both be gone after this season because I don't see how they can produce a winning record uh with their uh schedule ahead in the NFC East and just the the caliber of this team as it stands and the experience at quarterback. It's just just a lot needs to come together to produce a winning record. And I think this new, you know, Josh Harris and company are going to want to pick their guys to run this team. Mm. Do you think, uh, would you consider Rivera to be on the hot seat this year? Or what do you think oh, yeah. with the new ownership? Absolutely. I mean, you look at his, Rivera's uh, historic win percentage or record, should I say, uh, year to year. And it's just not not good. And he's always been, you know, a player's coach, always been a a good guy, so to speak. And and we needed a guy like that when, when all the uh, culture issues were uh, happening several years ago, we brought in someone to, to turn that around. And I'd say he, he did a very good job at, at you know, with his position and really making, you know, changing the culture. Uh, I know it said a lot, but it, it's true. And at this point, I just think, moving on might might be a good good call i i respect them for not making any brash decisions uh right off the bat coming in cleaning house because it, it is going to take a little bit of time i think uh we're in kind of an uh an awkward spot financially uh but we'll we'll talk about that more a little bit later as well all right so that is our projections so we're going to jump into what is going on within the team? And that starts with everything new this offseason. Alex, you want to take this away to start? Yeah, absolutely, Cam. So um, I'll go over a couple just for records. I'll go over some of the free agents. And we're going to talk about things we like, things we don't like about that. Uh, the most money spent on a free agent this offseason was Andrew Wiley coming over from Kansas City. Um, looks like his deal was three years, around $24 million. Um, and then next up on total money, we have Nick Gates coming to Washington from the Giants. Uh, he got a three-year deal worth uh, $16.5 million. Um, and then from there, it's uh, just sort of a spattering of different one- and two-year deals, most of them lower lower dollar amounts. 
Uh, Jacoby Brissett did come in on a one-year, $8 million deal. Um, so I think – and then it looks like as far as re-signing goes, they did re-sign uh, – is it Effie Obata? Did I say that right? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay, <laughs> so a defensive end coming in, brought him back uh, on a one-year, $2 million deal. Also brought back Tyler Larson, center, uh, for $1.3 million. Um, also, I didn't, I actually didn't see this my last time through, but I saw they also brought another ex-Kansas City guy, Byron Pringle, came over uh, for a yep. little bit over $1 million. Um, and then some other kind of smaller guys at the end of the roster. So that's kind of an overview of most of the kind of key free agents they brought in. As far as losses go, uh, they did lose uh, Tyler Heineke, or excuse me, Taylor, uh, Taylor <laughs> Heineke. Um, and then I think they also lost uh, Cole Holcomb, linebacker. Looks like he went for about three years, $18 million over to the Steelers. Uh, but those, I don't know how many of these other guys were starters, but the, um, most of the other deals were uh, were lower lower dollar deals, other than Heineke and Holcomb. Yeah. Uh, so that's overview. What do you uh, um, do? You want to do? Want to get in? Do, should we go over free agents first, or do you want to? And then we'll do the draft after that. Yeah, sounds good to me. So as uh, you said, they yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say a couple quick takes that I have on a couple of these guys. I mean, honestly, I don't know some of like, I don't really, I'm not, I don't know a lot about Nick Gates, so I can't speak too much to him. Um, I can't speak on Andrew Wiley. Um, obviously he was a part of the chiefs super bowl winning team. Actually he was on both of the teams. He was on the, the 2019 chiefs as well as this, uh, you know, this past year when it's so, you know, two, two times super bowl champion. Um, and you know, honestly he filled in great at right guard. I mean, sorry, right tackle, excuse me. Uh, it's been a long day, everybody. Uh, and uh, and I think early in the year, you know, a lot of Chief fans last year, we were unsure. We kind of thought that Wiley was kind of a fill-in over at right tackle and kind of waiting to see how everything shook out. But um, honestly, he had a great season. You know, he held it down. He wasn't elite by any means, but he was serviceable. Um, and I think that it just came down to money. I think if he would have been willing to uh, come at a lower price, I think the Chiefs would have tried to retain him, uh, but uh, there was just no way the Chiefs, with their cap, you know, they're they're pretty squeezed up tight to the ta- cap, and they they weren't going to pay twenty four million for him. Uh, but I think he's a serviceable player. Certainly not. I wouldn't consider him an elite right tackle. M- maybe average, maybe above average, um, depending on kind of how you look at him. But um, so I, I don't think uh, I don't think a bad pickup, but I do think I, I do think a little bit pricey. Yeah. So it for me, it seems like. Here's the thing. They addressed the areas on the team this offense that or this off this offseason that needed to be addressed. They addressed uh, the secondary in the draft, which we'll get to. They addressed the offensive line uh, with bringing in free agents. Uh, so I'll give them credit for that. My one issue with some of these signings is it feels like they just brought in more bodies. They didn't make significant upgrades per se from last year, right? Mm-hmm. As you say, they bring in Andrew Wiley, who is fine. But is he going to be much better than either Sam Cosme or Cornelius Lucas, whoever was playing at at the time uh, at right tackle last year? Uh, while Sam Cosme bumps into guard this year, I I don't know if he's going to be much of a, an improvement. Is he going to be a twenty four million dollar improvement? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with Gates, you know, he is also he's fine. Uh, he came over from the Giants. He's an undrafted free agent, but he, he you know he started a bit there and. I'm I'm not exactly sure if he's going to even be starting along this line, right? They drafted R- Ricky Stromberg in the third to play center, and they brought back Tyler Larson. Um, so we'll you know we'll we'll see what the 
final depth chart is when they when they go into the season. But yeah, they, they addressed the offensive line, which was needed. Hopefully these guys can turn out pretty well. Uh, it just didn't feel like they brought in too many impact players. And, and that goes for um, for the defense too, right? They brought in Cody Barton. And he is, he's also just a guy, you know, he, he's, he's fine. Um, he's coming over from Seattle on what, $3.5 million contract. Mm-hmm. And yep. I, I just, you know, the, the linebacking core needed help. Good. They brought someone in. We'll see what he can do. Uh, I'm just not too optimistic that the guys they brought in can be game changers or impact players. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, Cam. That's a great way to put it. Um, do you want to, should we, do you want to give an overview then of the draft and, and maybe some of your takes on that? Yeah. So I, I'm not going to walk through all of their picks. Actually I, I might, but, um, but they, you know, they addressed, uh, the secondary, as I said, very extensively in the draft, they took, uh, Emmanuel Forbes in the first round. And I mean, that was an interesting pick because so People thought they were going to take a cornerback. All the mock drafters of the world loved giving them a cornerback, uh, whether it was Joey Porter or Christian Gonzalez, who were both available at the time of their pick, by the way. Uh, but they went with Forbes. And Forbes is a ball hawk. That, that is why they selected him. You know, Rivera actually sort of addressed that. They generate pressure with a, a stud defensive line, right? And... We had very few turnovers last year. Uh, we, I believe, had nine interceptions on the season. And that is close to that. I believe that's bottom five in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And uh, Forbes had six interceptions just last season. You know, three, three kind of bounced in his direction. You know, that happens. But some of his interceptions were very impressive. And it, it was an interesting pick because, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of scouting myself and I had my my big board going into the draft and Christian Gonzalez was around at pick 16 when we were picking and he was sixth on my big board well Forbes was down at 42 and I love the talent but here's what I wrote playing at 166 pounds has taken out him out of the first round conversation rank 42 is a good spot to reconcile his obvious talent with his play weight Right, because how is he going to go against DK Metcalf or mm-hmm. T. Higgins or AJ Brown? Uh, you know, it, we have Benjamin St. Jude, who is good. You know, he he's six three, I believe, pretty lanky, and he is a good contested catch guy. Um, you know, he can really get in there and break it up. So that that's good that we already have him on the roster. But it was just an interesting decision. And then in the second round, they drafted Jartavius Martin, who is also a safety slash, uh, you know, nickel defender, so slot cornerback. And a lot of people think he was overdrafted, but, you know, we needed it, and they addressed it. So we're going to see how these guys guys pan out. Uh, moving down in the draft, as I, I said, in the third round, they drafted Ricky Stromberg. Uh, and then in the fourth, they addressed the offensive line further with Braden Daniels. And then I'm just going to get to my favorite pick, and that's K.J. Henry in the fifth. And he's my favorite pick, not necessarily because of his talent, but I think it's great value uh, at right there. He's a former five-star recruit, defensive end out of Clemson. Uh, and we are potentially losing both Montez Sweat and Chase Young. 
this year. We didn't pick up Chase Young's fifth-year option. Amantas Sweat is due for a payday, and we've just paid uh, our interior guys. So uh, I think trying to develop uh, KJ Henry into what he uh, his where his potential uh, could have been when he was coming out of high school as a five-star recruit. You know, the something that you can see about all the Clemson guys, but Brian Brzee, Miles Murphy, they're these athletic guys who have no technique. And maybe that's just sort of they, they focus on scheme and don't focus so much about on technique there. So hopefully we can help develop him into something as well. And I'm just going to round out this draft because I am so close to getting it done. Uh, Chris Rodriguez running back in the sixth round. And then in the seventh round, I do not have this one in front of me. It was Andre Jones, right? Another defensive yep. end. I don't know much about him. Out of Louisiana. Uh, yep. Okay. So that, that was a, a full rundown of their draft. And I'm going to go ahead and just say I have given their full offseason and draft a B minus grade. And it's a B minus. I've mentioned that I don't love all of the players they brought in, but they addressed where they needed to address. And I think that is, uh, you know, good, good management overall. And disagreements on the selections. Uh, aside, I think it was a good process. You know, I, I'd like to give them an A plus for offseason because of the ownership change. But that aside, you know, I think they did a solid job. Yeah, that that makes sense, Cam. Um, when I look when when I was looking at the draft results, you know, one of the things that kind of stuck out to me was you know only one skill position, and that was Chris Rodriguez, running back, as you mentioned, taken down in the sixth round. Um, and then you know, I, I think the draft really showed what Ron Rivera wanted to improve, right? As you mentioned, you want to yeah. focus first on the secondary and then get better in the trenches by taking two offensive linemen and two defensive linemen. Um, you know, and, and we'll, I mean, we'll see, like, like you said, I don't know if their seventh round or Andre Jones will even make the team. That's not a guarantee with guys that are late, but, um, but certainly, you know, those third and fourth round um, offensive, offensive linemen, um, you know, those guys are expected to compete, you know, compete for a starting position. Um, and so I think that, um, I think that also does, that does speak to the weapons and we'll talk more about this when we go through the position groups, but I think it also speaks to the confidence that, you know, that, that Rivera has in the wide receiver core and the running back group. Um, and so, you know, I think that, that, that's one of the things that kind of stands out to me. And I, and I think that that makes sense. If you look at some of the elite teams in the league, you know, they really invest pretty heavily in the trenches. Um, and so that I think will be, uh, and, and of course, you know, the commanders are already, already really, really great at the on the defensive defensive side of the line so we'll see if some of those guys work out uh my overall grade is c um and i and, and that's really kind of back to what i said about average and and, I, and you actually touched on it earlier is that i, I was thinking about it and you know and, and i think you really did a great job covering it because i don't think andrew wiley's bad you know but but is but is he better than what was already there right and yeah. And I just feel like Sam Howell too. Like that, he's such a question mark for me. Um, and I know he got in a little bit late last year um, and got a little bit of experience there. But I mean, this will be obviously his first year starting the season as the starter and going through the off season as sort of the, uh, I mean, I think the unquestioned starter. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think that they got drastically better. I don't think they got worse. Um, and so I just put him in the middle with a C. I think that's very reasonable. All right. If we're done with the offseason, why don't we hop into the offense? Because that is very exciting with the new new coach coming in. 
Uh, before before I kick off an overview of the offense, do you have any just initial thoughts on the change from Scott Turner to Eric Bieniemy from your Chiefs? Yeah, I think we actually talked on this a little bit on our last show um, on the NFC show. So if you guys haven't checked that out yet, it's in our podcast feed. Go take a listen to that and, and you'll hear a little bit. You know, Cam and I do more of an overview of, of the, really the whole NFC. Um, but I do think it's really interesting. Some of the stories that have been coming out of camp, um, you know, what Rivera has said about the and 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 I. I think it's I think it's a good change. I mean, Bienemy is intense, but he's he's a former player. Um, obviously, he's been a part of a championship program uh, for for the last you know quite a few years, and you know he 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 brings that. He's a he's a former running back, so he likes to you know he's aggressive by nature, right? And I mean, I, I think that I mean let's just be honest. I mean, football is a sport that you know you're expected you're expected to do the right thing. And to know your job and to perform it, and and you're expected to do that to the best of your ability. Um, just like when I play, I played pee wee football, I played high school football. You know, I remember my coaches. I was a defensive back. My coaches screaming things to me that I can't repeat on this podcast or get blocked. Right? Um, but I mean that. But but the point is, is that I was. You're expected to know your job. You're expected to do it. So I do think it's really interesting that. It, the enemy is really on the guys. I mean, he really expects them to do it right. And it, and it seems like that sort of, uh, I don't know, rattled the cages a little bit. <laughs> and, and to me, I think that would be, to me, that would reflect that it's a good change. You know, it, it, you know, having accountability for your guys to know what they're supposed to do, to do it, and then to get on them when they fail to do it to the best of their ability or they fail to give the effort, that to me sounds like good coaching. So some of the guys may not be used to that, but if you want to have a winning program, then you need someone that's intense that expects you to do it the right way, kind of that old school approach. So I like it. I know obviously some of the guys haven't seemed like they've responded as well, or at least that's what the rumors are. But um, overall, I think it'll be a good change. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you can probably tell what the, um, what the practices had been like by this statistic. I, I'm going to yeah, jump into Scott Turner's offense a bit here in a second uh the the offensive coordinator from last season and a couple years prior the uh the Washington Commanders last season had the most time of possession in the entire NFL and they were near the bottom in place per minute hmm. so uh, that while that statistically makes sense as it is if you're trying to hold on to the ball you're slowing things down the run game it also could be a slight indication of uh, a little bit of lackluster practices they don't run the hurry up offense often it just it's probably a just a big change in not just you know expectations but in scheme that people you know the players really just need to adapt to mm-hmm. they're just not used to it the so tempo. Yep. yeah the change in tempo and with that said gonna go through uh scott turner's offense from 2022 and a couple stats there and see how it can change with uh the and what they were running over under Andy Reid in Kansas City. So Scott Turner technically runs more of an Air Coriel offense. And what that basically is, is a vertical passing offense. Uh, they were gap heavy uh, run team. So it, as opposed to zone. So they did a lot of a lot of lead blockers. It's a lot of pulling guards, pulling tight ends, running through through holes on the inside with the lead block. And that led to... Uh, pretty low yards per carry. They were ha, were the fourth, um, fourth in rushing attempts in the NFL, 
but they were 12th in rushing yardage, which, you know, 12th seems fine, but compared to fourth in attempts, it's definitely on the lower side. They were also had the 10th most runs on first down. So they were a run first team, uh, despite having such a good (laughs) receiving trio that we'll get into. Uh, And then a couple PFF metrics for overall PFF passing grade. They were 30th ahead of only the Bears and the Jets. So ahead of Justin Fields with no mm-hmm. uh, no offensive line and no wide receivers. And what, the Zach Wilson and company? over. So not mm-hmm. very good company. And then even their PFF rushing grade was 27th in the NFL. So uh, a couple, couple more things I was looking up before this is EPA uh, for offense. So what that is, expected points added. It's calculated field based on play-by-play data. They were 26th in offensive EPA, 26th in quarterback EPA, with Hal, Wentz, and Heineke all having negative. None of them had positive. Mm. And then they were 27th in pass block win rate. So basically, all these random, seemingly random stats thrown out, they were not efficient runners. They weren't good at passers. They weren't good blockers. And it seems like with some of the talent we have, now there were clearly offensive line and quarterback issues, but... We do have enough talent to where that that probably shouldn't be the case. So Scott Turner is out and Eric Bieniemy is in. Now, Eric Bieniemy, uh, I I don't know what he's going to bring. Is he going to bring Reed's sort of sh- shotgun West Coast-ish offense? Um, he'll probably be, you know, zone heavy because the Chiefs were zone heavy last season. Although uh, halfway through the season, they started incorporating a lot more gap gap runs into their playbook. Uh, which I thought was interesting. And the uh, runners we have right now, the running backs in Brian Robinson, and then the guy drafted Chris Rodriguez, they're pretty much, uh, the difference in ability for gap running versus zone is pretty extreme. So it would be surprising if we fully switch over to like an outside or inside zone um, from gap. But, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what Eric Bieniemy brings because, that, that's the whole thing. That's why he hasn't gotten a head coaching job because no one knows what he does diff, uh, outside of Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and I wonder if that change that you you mentioned on the running style, and I wonder if that had all had something to do with Isaiah Pacheco. And I mean, for those that you know may not may not have followed that season last year, the Chiefs started the year with Clyde Edwards-Helaire um, <laughs> and and Jarek McKinnon, and then. Um, as Clyde Clyde Edwards-Helaire, you know, he got hurt, but also he just wasn't really effective in the running game. He, he did okay in the passing game, but struggled in the running game. And then once they brought Isaiah Pacheco up to speed, you know, he was much better and more, much more effective and just runs a lot harder <laughs> yeah. uh, in that second half of the season. So, yeah, I, I agree, Cam. I'm curious to see what the enemy is going to do. Um, you know, obviously he's been under Andy Reid and, and there's probably no better offensive mind to learn under. Um, right. But that doesn't always mean you can replicate it. You know, Andy Reid has a lot of guys that are sort of Reid disciples um, that go on to head coaching positions, Rivera being one of them, ironically, um, you know, but uh, and so, to, to various levels of success, you know, uh, Matt Nagy kind of struggled reproducing some of that offensive firepower, you know, when he was in Chicago, although they had a solid defense, um, you know, but I mean, you think about Doug, Doug Peterson, though, is one that I would say has, has been able to at least replicate that from an offensive perspective. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. It'll be really curious to see kind of what, what style, you know, being a running back, I wonder if, if the enemy leans into that maybe more than, than Andy, um, because that has been a criticism with Andy over the years is, you know, he's, he's just not one to, to line up 
very often and pound the football, you know, even on third down, you know, he'd, he'd rather put, yeah, he'd, he'll do screens. He'll do, you know, he'll do swing screens or, or he'll even do tight end screens. He'll do um, lots of motion and, and, or just let Mahomes kind of scramble. So um, be curious to see what, uh, what the enemy does. Underhand passes to Travis Kelsey. Yes. Come yes. your way to Logan Thomas. That's uh, right. Similar caliber player. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's it just interesting. You mentioned Pacheco because he was a seven round draft pick, right? He and was. Yep. He was a seven round pick for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't considered the best prospect. But if you get a good athlete who runs hard and you just have him run gap, he's mm-hmm. gonna be fine. You know, it, the you don't need there. the yep. yeah, you don't mm-hmm. need the vision. Um, that, so yeah, uh, we'll see what Eric Bieniemy brings. Now, how do you rank this offense as a whole? And then we can get into the individual positions. Yep. So you're you're probably gonna gonna know my answer. Uh, I, I think they're average. Um, I don't think, I'll although it. I know that you I, I know that you listed off. You know, obviously the last year they were obviously below average, and that's pretty clear based on those rankings that you provided. Um, but for me, you know, there's a little bit of optimism. I, I I'm a little bit of a uh, of an optimist, I, I would say, uh, you know, in most situations. So I'm, I'm hoping that Hal comes out and, and has a great year, but I mean, I think I, I, I do really like the skill positions, you know, I do think, especially at wide receiver, you know, I mean, obviously Terry McLaurin is an absolute stud, you know, Dotson yeah. was a, looked really good last year, you know, which means he probably got Curtis Samuel as maybe the three, right. And, and maybe he's pushed for some other folks for some time. I know even Deami Brown, right. He's had some, some flashes here and there. Oh, yeah. um, so I think the wide receiver group is solid. Mm-hmm. I like the running back room as well with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, and now adding in a new, new rookie running back. So, I mean, you know, and of course, the tight end, uh, you mentioned if Logan Thomas can stay healthy, you know, he certainly has had a lot of uh, potential. Um, you know, I know he's battled injuries, but, you know, he certainly when he's healthy is can be it can be a, a great tight end option. So I like the skill positions like we already talked about. I'm, I'm nervous about the offensive line, um, especially with a young quarterback. You know, I mean, he's going to need time and, and he's going to need that run game for him to really get into it and find a groove. Um, but I do think we'll find out pretty quickly. I don't think it's going to take the whole season. I think I think we're going to be I, I bet you by five, six games in we're, we're yep. going to have a pretty good feel for, you know, does does Sam Howell have the potential? You know, as he flashed the playmaking ability and the decision making and kind of making the most of the situation um, or he just doesn't have it and, and it's going to be another long season. <laughs> so yeah. I would say I would say average. I don't think they'll be I like like I said, really like the some of the position groups, the skill positions. Uh, I would say just unknown with the line and unknown with uh, quarterback play. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I would actually I guess I would have them below average. Uh, I have them currently ranked uh, as a 22nd offense in the league, right between the Panthers and Broncos. Not mm-hmm. not the best company. I, I have Panthers and Broncos. You know, Panthers. Oh, you're being generous so, to the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, again, so Panthers have a better offensive line. They got Bryce Young, uh, but a much worse receiving core. So I, I'm counting on the skill of Washington to just sort of beat them out in power rankings. And then Broncos, mm-hmm. they're, they were they were bad. They were really bad with Russell Wilson and, you know, we'll, we'll see what they can do this year. I'm giving them a little bit of little benefit of the doubt, but uh, yeah, 22nd isn't, isn't great, but it's, it's also not, you know, not the worst in the league. So that, that kind of lines up with the 
pull six and 11 projection pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, as you said there, it is a big question mark at quarterback because they brought Jacoby Brissett, uh, who has been looking like Jacoby Brissett, you know, very serviceable. And then Sam Howell, he's a starter. And I'm going to just, uh, for those who don't know background on Sam Howell, uh, just very quick rundown. A lot of people had a first round grade on him going into the draft. He was finally picked uh, in the fifth round out of North Carolina after dropping way farther than pretty much everyone expected. Uh, the previous year, he was originally projected to be a top two overall pick uh, along with Spencer Rattler, who, mm. by the way, I just saw an article on uh, yesterday saying how he looks like he's finally reached his potential. He's so re-emerged. That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> as he has every year. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And then in college, his penultimate season in 2020, he was pretty elite through the, through the air. He has Diami Brown or had Diami Brown. Now he does again. Now that he's on, on Washington and now went well for him. But in 2021, you know, he lost weapons, but he still ran for over 800 rushing yards and that's hmm. 800 college rushing yards where they, they add negative yards for sacks and whatnot. So hmm. it, you know, he was, he seems like a playmaker. He has a great arm. He makes things happen. And that said, he dropped to the fifth, which means he was passed by on by every team at least four times on average. And so, and there's a reason for that. So we will see what he can do. I am very optimistic. I'm one of those people who had a, you know, later first round grade on him. I thought he, he sh- has shown enough to to elicit, uh, you know, earn it to where he could earn a starting uh, spot for an NFL team, which he has done. I am more concerned about the offensive line, keeping him on his feet. But that that's just a, a quick overview of Sam Howell. Brissett could come in at any moment. He might halfway through the year. Just, you know, yet another quarterback starting for Washington. And so my grade on this quarterback room is TBD. No idea. Because mm-hmm. we have no way of really knowing. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, Cam. And 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 I know that, you know, I know that you've done a lot of analysis and, and looking at draft prospects over the years. Do you think that, um, I, at face value, I, I think I've seen this trend of, and I want you to to, to tell me if you agree or not. It, it seems like quarterbacks from, I'm not going to say North Carolina is a small school, but when it comes to football, they're certainly not considered a top tier school. You know, in the ACC, it's just Clemson basically is the only, you know, ACC school that I think, you know, really uh, is looked at as an, as an elite program or, you know, at least has been in recent years. Um, And it seems like quarterbacks that are coming from certainly from non-power conferences um, you know, there's questions about, you know, the level of competition, you know, and, and, and kind of, how that has translated. Um, so based on your analysis, do you see, you know, you know, do you, do you think that going to North Carolina and, and, and maybe NFL teams having concerns about the level of competition in the ACC, do you think that that was one of the contributing factors on his drop? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up two things. One, uh, uh, to your point, Trey Lance has now been beaten out by Sam Darnold on the depth chart. He looks terrible. He had no competition uh, mm-hmm. and he looked perfect. And actually perfect in many of his games in college, running, passing. And so competition definitely matters. It's, it's always hard to assess if you're mm-hmm. not in the SEC. It's just, it's just difficult. And people are often wrong. And now, before I directly answer your question, look who's at North Carolina now. 
Uh, Drake May is very possibly going to be a top five overall pick. He could go up to number two. Uh, overall, he is, he just is, I mean, he, he's world's better as a prospect, I will say, than, than Sam Howell. I mentioned I had a late first round grade on Sam Howell. I'm very generous towards quarterbacks because they are such an important position. If mm-hmm. I think you're yep. going to be an upgrade for most teams, you will be towards the top of the big board because it's just that important. Um, mm-hmm. Sam Howell seemed like a, a prospect who has who had flashed so much ability, regardless of competition, right? He had the arm. He had the uh, s- sneaky athleticism, not sneaky mm-hmm. athletic. He, he's a pretty athletic dude with a big arm. And he he's made throw, big-time throws. And no, seems to know how to at least take care of the ball most of the time. So I think that he was a a good, you know, better than a project, but not an immediate starter. And that, that's who's and he was drafted as a project because that's mm. what you consider day three quarterbacks essentially, mm. right? So mm-hmm. uh, I, reg- with regard to your point on competition, it matters because it makes the assessment hard. I don't think that. Uh, will necessarily dooms a player because I, again, I'm very confident in, in Drake may after watching his tape in the last couple of months. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I wonder if, you know, not, not that, not that one player can ruin it for future players, but I mean, you talk about North Carolina, obviously you got to think of Trubisky and, you know, (laughs) then what, what, what folks thought about him. And Obviously, yeah. you think about the Bears, you know, passing up on both Mahomes and Deshaun Watson uh, to even trade picks to move up and to get Trubisky. Sorry, Bears fans. I know that still hurts. Um, but, you know, I, I wonder if I wonder if sort of the, you know, I, I don't always like to throw around the, the term bust, you know, but but based but but I mean, based on your your where you're drafted, it certainly adds connotations for what teams are expecting out of you. Um, and of course, based on how high of a pick, I think Trubisky was two, wasn't he? Wasn't he second overall? Yep. Um, you know, obviously, I would say his career has not gone as they hoped. No, um, I, that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, and I very much dislike helmet scouting. Right, I don't like comparing prospects of the same school because they went to the same school. But you get Trubisky, and then you get if Sam Howell is a complete bust this season, looks terrible. There will be those people who are are worried about. Drake may uh, sure. again, completely unreasonable. I'm yep. not, I would never agree with that, but it, it's, you know, human nature. Oh, mm-hmm. the last two have stunk. Why is this guy any different? So yep. anyway, let's move on to the skill group, uh, just in general skill group, right? Running backs, wide receivers and tight ends and talk about them as a whole, because I think most people would agree that their wide receiver trio, their starters and Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson, and Curtis Samuel are one of the easily one of the better trios mm-hmm. in the league. I, I can't think of very many proven third receivers who are better mm-hmm. than Curtis Samuel. So it, our 11 personnel is excellent. But that said, running backs, everyone's always wanted Antonio Gibson to be special. And he's been good. He has not yet been special. Uh, and then... At the end position, we keep having these guys. You know, we've had Logan Thomas, and we have John Bates, and then we drafted Cole Turner late last year. Let me let me read some some EPA stats again because I love this metric. Uh, so, for receivers, re- anyone receiving the ball at any position with at least twenty targets, positive EPA on the team, 
McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel, and Gibson. Hmm. Negative EPA, J.D. McKissick, Logan Thomas, and John Bates, way down there. Hmm. So, you know, that that's our, you know, Thomas and Bates, it's our tight end room. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to just preemptively give this skill group an A- minus because the trio is so strong. I would easily give them an A or... Yeah, I, I wouldn't give them an A play. I give them an A, but I am I am concerned about the tight end position. Now we do have I again everyone was a late round pick. Uh, Logan Thomas was was he was drafted as a quarterback, right? Yeah, at a uh, Virginia yeah, Tech. Yep, exactly. So fourth round pick Bates is a fourth round pick. Cole Turner is a fifth round pick. Uh, you know, they, none of these guys were deemed studs coming out. But Logan Thomas is a solid receiver. John Bates is a great run blocker or a good run blocker. And Cole Turner is promising. We'll, we'll talk about him more, more towards the end of the show. Um, but, you know, second, second round guy, I'm just concerned about that group. But there is no doubt that these receivers are uh, barely short of elite, if, if not elite. Yep, I agree. I can't, I can't disagree with that. You know, one thing I do, I do think that, that we'll want to see out of the tight ends, you know, for, for the commanders is I would say um, there's not a ton of height in the receiver room. Um, obviously that, you know, I know McLaren, I think is six foot that doesn't make, he, he's, he's an absolute stud, right? That doesn't seem to be a problem for him. Yeah. I think Dotson is five eleven, right. And Samuel five eleven. So, you know, not, not, not little guys, but, but I would say not necessarily, you know, real, real tall targets, um, you know, can certainly jump, but, um, I, I think that with, you know, when we're looking at those tight ends, you know, I think both those tight ends come in at six, so let's see, six, 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 five. Um, obviously, you know, that's pretty, pretty regular for a tight end, I would say. Um, but I think that, you know, down in the red zone when things are getting tight, you know, it'll be curious to see if they start to try to try to go to those big guys or if they're able to get enough separation from the receivers and some of those tight windows. Um, so curious to see that, but but yeah, I mean, other than not having them be, you know, Calvin Johnson, uh, you know, that's all. But uh, <laughs> uh, great, great receiving room. Definitely, I would say one of the elite for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can think of a couple. I mean, I, you know, the Bengals come to mind and there's certainly, right. you know, the Eagles. There's certainly some other teams that are, are right there as well with elite receiver groups. But I mean, I, 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 I mean, I don't think it's at all to go on a limb to say that the receiving group for the commanders is well, at least for wide receivers, is significantly better than what the Chiefs have. Um, so sure. that's and that's 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 coming from a Chiefs fan, everybody. So so yeah, I, I think I, I would agree with that assessment. Oh, can you imagine Mahomes with these three? That would come on, McLaren, come, right. come to Kansas City. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, what they 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 lost their one adequate red zone receiver in Cam Sims again, adequate, uh, not nothing great, and Diami Brown is going to be that. Uh, you know, uh, probably stepping into a slightly bigger role, taking the Cam Sims snaps as that outside guy who can be sideline deep threat. And Diami Brown's also six feet. But what this core lacks in height, they make up for in speed, which will mm -hmm. be useful between the 20s. As you say, not as much so in the red zone. Now, I just to I just want to talk about Jahan Dotson for a second because he people uh, don't categorize him in the same light as the Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave, right? And Washington was up on the clock at pick 11 last year. And Kyle Hamilton safety was still on the board and Chris Olave was still on the board. 
And they traded back to 16. And they said later, they said, we knew we could get Dotson later. We didn't want to trade back too far because he's he was our guy all along. We would have drafted him at 11. And so they loved this guy. And, and I liked him more than most coming out. So I was happy when they got him. I just didn't, I didn't love the capital they spent. But he has incredible hands. He's proven to be a great second receiver. I think he can be be more than that um you know in the absence of terry mclaurin i think he could he certainly has the potential to step up into a leading role so i i think that people are you know they know he's good i don't think a lot of people see the potential of him being great he has a vast route tree again he doesn't he rarely drops the ball i uh, pretty much didn't in college and uh you know i also with with curtis samuel yeah, you know, two years ago they signed him, and I remember calling up my friend and saying, "I, what do I do? I am so excited." He said, "Yeah, man, adrenaline's great. Can't really do anything, but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I love Curtis Samuel." And people stopped talking about this core, be, probably because of just overall poor quarterback play the last last couple of years. But they're they're strong, and I think they're going to have a a bigger season if the offensive line can hold up and give Sam Howell more than. 1.5 seconds to throw the ball. Yeah. All right. And then I, I just want to touch one more thing on this running back room. You know, we, we've talked about how we sort of have a, or the commanders sort of have a, a good, not great running back room. They're very solid, but we just have to bring this up because Brian Robinson got shot, right? He got shot twice. Uh, he shot, got shot in the glute and lower leg on August 28th last year. Mm-hmm. He started playing running back six weeks to the day after he got shot twice. And he started, I believe, every game during the season or played at least in every game. Um, I, I don't recall if there's a minor injury in this midseason. But he uh, early in the season, you know, he, he struggled a bit to provide uh, production understandably and later in the season he was getting about 4.5 yards a carry that's almost a full yard per carry more than earlier in the season so you know if he he can show up and he's yeah part of his hindrance last season was you know being shot which i would understand then he could he could prove to be better than than people think i'll tell you right now he's going in i believe the ninth round in most fantasy football drafts that's that's way too low you know he's not exciting but he's a plug and play guy. So uh, yeah, look for him as a late round safety, safety net. Mm. If you're, you're into fantasy. And he's, and if I remember right, Cam, he he's out of Memphis and he played like wide receiver in college. Is that right? He was a converted wide receiver to, I was talking about Brian Robinson. Yeah. Um, Oh, is that Gibson that I'm thinking of? Yeah. Yeah. Brian Robinson, Alabama. Bama. Okay. Yep. Thanks. I was like, I remember one of the running backs yes. came from Memphis and switched. Okay. Got yeah. It. Gibson is a, a, he was a wide receiver at Memphis. You're right. Got it. Okay. Third round converted to running back and then they stopped throwing the ball to him. It seemed odd. <laughs> yeah. It makes, makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. But he's going to be, he should, should be getting more receptions this year with JD McKissick gone. Hmm. All right. Last and I guess probably least uh, offensive line. I'm, uh, I'll keep this one short. Uh, again, we had an NFC show last week where I go pretty extensively into the offensive line, just cover every probable starting position. Uh, I'm giving this group a D plus because we have no 
superstars, a lot of question marks, and they brought in bodies instead of acquiring talent. So hey, that's it. D plus. No argument for me. Yep. All right, man. Let's get into the defense. Now, Jack Del Rio is still there. Uh, they had a high zone coverage rate. They had a lot of cover three and four, but particularly cover four compared to most of the league. Uh, they were 28th in defensive EPA, right? So we talk about this team having a good defense. 28th in defensive EPA hmm. is not good. They were hmm. 16th, so middle of the pack in pass rush win rate. And remember, that was mostly with Chase Young being gone or just not quite as productive later in the season. He had under 200 snaps, I believe. And uh, James Smith-Williams starting, he had the second most snaps at, at defensive end. So they didn't have the best pass rush, but it was decent. Um, they were ninth in run stop rate. And as I said earlier, they only had nine interceptions, which was 28th uh, in the league. So for a defense that is uh, supposedly uh, elite, question mark, they, they had a very bad showing last year. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually didn't realize they were that low in the rankings because when I when I was thinking of the commanders, I mean, and I was thinking about my rating, um, I have them as above average is what my projection is. So um, I don't think I don't have them as elite, uh, but I do have them somewhere in that kind of above average to good range. Um, and I and for me, I, I think I was thinking about the uh, really about the the big the big fellows in the trenches, right? Um, yeah. You know, Duran Payne, Jonathan Allen, I know Montez Sweat, right? Those three guys, all first rounders. Obviously, Chase Young, also a first rounder. <laughs> I know you touched on him. Big season, kind of make or break season for him. Um, and then I think they also have a linebacker, uh, Davis, which is another first rounder. Um, so, you know, a lot, of, a lot of first round guys invested a lot there in the, you know, kind of in the trenches um, and the run stopping and all that. So, um, I was surprised to hear that the rankings are that low because I do think that they have the talent to um, to really be a uh, to be a really good defense. Yeah, and now they got Emmanuel Forbes in the first round too, right? So yep. a lot of first rounders on yeah, this defense. Call. And uh, this is where my homerism is going to show a bit. I currently have their defense ranked fourth. Mm. And if you look up online lists of just random, you know, football network whatever uh they all they all have the same name sorry but all the lists i haven't seen one with uh washington ranked below seventh this year mm. and you know then that's of about 20 minutes of looking so he you know the uh, it's not just me who thinks they're going to be great uh but fourth i the only teams i have in front of them are the cowboys niners and eagles unfortunately two of their division mates mm -hmm. hate putting the cowboys that high but they're currently number one for me and then now, number four is a toss-up between the Jets and Commanders, but I think there's a, a tier break after those top five. So I, I am pretty comfortable with my ranking on them. The one thing I will say across the board, they are lacking depth. So any injury is, it, it's a pretty significant downgrade to them, especially along the defensive line or in the linebacking core. And with that, let's let's jump into the positional groups uh starting with the defensive line did you want to to go over anything here first alex uh no i i like the defensive line once again you know every every show we do i have one uh you know one outrageous take and my outrageous take on this show is uh deron Payne, jonathan allen montez sweat and chase young are good 
Uh, oh, so with, wow. with, with that, <laughs> that's Ooh. my take. Good defensive line. All right, uh, we need but, to get some I, sound bites. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think about the? Uh, what do you think about their projections for this year? All right, so I have an A grade right now, and I'm going to say A plus if Young is elite. Hmm. If he's the guy they drafted him to be, like yeah, his rookie I, year. Yeah, I've said it. Yeah, yeah, I've said it before. Uh, you know the the reason Herbert and Tua, right? Uh, Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa uh, were drafted uh, lower at spots five and six is because Okuda and uh, Chase Young were deemed to be such good pro- can't-miss prospects that it would be ridiculous to trade down and risk not getting one of those two. So Young out of Ohio State was incredible. If you want to feel like you can run through a brick wall, go watch his mm-hmm. Ohio State highlights because he is yep. ferocious. And then he just hasn't been. Uh, you know, he had that that injury the ACL a couple years ago. And now that he's two years removed, <clears throat> that that's typically when players tend to bounce back in terms of performance in the NFL. You see it a lot in the running back position for an ACL the following year. They're fine, not too confident on their cuts. The year after that, they're a bit more explosive. So that's what I'm hoping for with mm-hmm. uh, Chase Young. But I want to start off talking about Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, the interior defenders. Now, Deron Payne got that big money contract mm-hmm. this offseason, four-year, $90 million. And mm-hmm. Jonathan Allen's already making four, uh, had a four-year, $72 million contract. Uh, so that's over $40 million per year for just these two interior defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. $40.5 million per year. They're both top 10 contracts for uh, inside defensive linemen in the NFL. And, you know, Allen's a phenomenal pass rusher. Payne can do both. He's a very good both run defender and pass rusher who can play three tech. He can play nose, shade nose. And uh, they're easily, I'd say, I'd say there are four interior defensive line tandems in the league that are at their level. It's them. And then the Eagles, Giants, and Colts. And after that, you know, you, you don't really see a duo uh, of this caliber anywhere in the mm-hmm. NFL. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're players like Chris Jones and Aaron Donald, but they don't have the guy beside them. So I think yep. that this interior is going to be phenomenal. Uh, you know, and then outside there's Sweat and Young. And Sweat's quietly playing out of his mind. Uh, he had 62 pressures and 30 run stops this last season. And for reference... Uh, Hassan Reddick had 68 pressures on this exactly the same pass rush snap count. Hmm. So very similar numbers to what a guy who had, I believe, 18 sacks last year, considered one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, and they put up similar numbers. So I think Sweat is due for a payday after the season. Big payday. You know, he's on the last year of his contract, and so is uh, so is Young. Sweat and Young are both, I'd say, probably off this team. If they can find a way to pay one of them, they probably pay Sweat unless Chase Young does something insane. And that's already so much money invested into the defensive line. So, mm-hmm. but be, behind them, you know, they're lacking depth uh, in the interior. Fedarian Mathis was a second round play. He's a solid plug and play run defender. Uh, had a near, knee injury in week one of last year. But besides that, they're, you know, it's John Ridgeway. They don't really have interior guys. And then, uh, but, but yeah, Mathis could relieve Payne and Allen on some early down work, for instance. 
And James Smith-Williams had the second most snaps on the team at, at uh, edge last year, and he just didn't do much. He wasn't that productive. So once again, great front four, pretty poor depth. Yeah, definitely one of the yeah. I like your point earlier on um, you know on having two two interior defensive linemen at that caliber. Um, you know, because that Chris Jones is good, but he's not even uh, he's not even showing up yet. So, uh, which I know we talked a little about him too the other day. So he's uh, that's not. I don't want to derail that. I'll save that for my Chiefs take. But, all right, uh, all yeah, right. Definitely interior defensive line. Um, I mean, I'd probably say they're the best in the league as far as. If those guys stay healthy, uh, they're definitely those two guys are are really good. Yeah, hot another hot take. Another hot uh, take. Baby. All right, we'll we'll be pretty quick through the linebackers. Uh, I I did want to make a point. So the linebackers right now, the starters are Jameen uh, Davis and uh, Cody Barton or David Mayo. I don't recall who's going to be on the field in two linebacker sets, but it's going to be those three guys. Uh, okay, yeah, Cody Barton. So Davis, as you said, he was a first rounder. He was pretty unexperienced and he has not really paid off as a first round pick. I know a lot of people thought that Washington would take Jeremiah Wusukormoa at 19, who ended up dropping late into the second round, I believe. But, uh, you know, Davis is a rare athlete. Uh, He should absolutely be blitzing uh, a lot. You know, he had 65 pass rush snaps, which is good. But to pay off for that draft capital for a guy who doesn't really stack and shed blockers on the interior, it, you know, he, it, he's going to have to have to make more of an impact. And I just want to make this a, a brief comparison. Obviously, there's a big talent disparity here. But when comparing him to, again, to Hassan Reddick, uh, Jimmy Davis is taller, heavier, uh, faster. He has a faster 40, 448, has a much better vertical. 42 inches he has longer arms 33 inches he's built kind of like a light defensive end Mm -hmm. and he is just not that good at a you know sit in the middle of the field kind of linebacker he's not the best in coverage and on his blitzing he he generated 13 pressures on 60 the 65 pass rush snaps and 20 percent is good it's ahead of the you know the the top blitzing linebackers uh, this last season were Zavin Collins, Frankie Louvu, Bobby Wagner, and Juwan Bentley. Uh, and he he had a better pressure rate than all of them. And then Devin White, he's right up there around that line too. So I think if they can figure out ways to use him a little more creatively, use his athleticism and hope that is, you know, he he's developed more as a player, uh, then he could he could help this linebacking core a lot. Uh, I touched on Cody Barton earlier. He's fine coming over from Seattle. Uh, and then David Mayo, they like him a lot. They always have. Uh, he'll be on the field in three linebacker sets. And he, you know, he missed one tackle last year. He missed four in 21, four in 2020. Um, he's a very good tackler. He's a decent run defender. He can play strong side, can play pretty much anything that's asked of him on the interior when it comes to uh, run defense. And he's horrific in coverage. And, you know, with this uh, a big issue with the commanders is they get eaten alive over the middle of the field on short passes. They are not good against these quick timing uh, West Coast offenses. And none of the linebackers on the team are actively good in coverage. So I'm giving this this core a C minus. And that is taking into account Jameen Davis uh, generating pressure here and there and making some big plays, taking a small step forward this season. 
I I think you covered it. I don't I, I don't have anything different on that. So um, yeah. All right, and, and, good coverage yeah, of the linebackers. And one last thing to add about Davis. Uh, there's an interview I listened to with Ron Rivera about why they drafted him. Uh, this is a couple years ago. And they said they have an elite interior defensive line. They're going to be getting a lot of pressure up the middle, and they're going to stuff the runs up the middle. So they need a true sideline-to-sideline side speedy middle linebacker to take care of quarterback scrambles for a spy, take care of outside runs, get to the side before the running backs. And right now he's listed as an outside linebacker, right? That didn't really work out as well. He He's not probably not playing in the middle. So, you know, uh, it, it not exactly their plan, but hopefully he can take a step forward. Now, getting into the defensive backs, I'm going to, this might be a bit of homerism too, because this was such a poor group last year. Giving them a B plus, hmm. giving them a B plus. Phantom coming into play here because Emmanuel Forbes, first round pick, Regardless mm-hmm. of exactly what I think of it, I always thought he was super talented. I'm just worried about his size, 166 pounds. That is 20 pounds smaller than I am, and I am no NFL player. Uh, Kendall Fuller, he's solid on the inside and outside. Uh, he's always been solid. And then mm-hmm. Benjamin St. Jude is listed as a starter in their first official uh, you know, uh, depth chart. And he's that that lanky guy who can contest the, the T. Higginses and the – um, uh, AJ Browns and DK Metcalfs of the world. So, you know, we, I think it's a solid cornerback group. Not not a B plus worthy cornerback group. Where where this really comes in is the safeties because they drafted uh, Cam Curl in the seventh round, and they drafted uh, Derek Forrest in the fifth round. And both guys are really showing out. Cam Curl has been a stud for the last couple of years. And Derek Forrest, you know, he had that big hit on Travis Etienne uh, in in week one, and he just made so many plays that he he kind of got put in the spotlight. I believe he had the highest PFF grade of any safety after week one, and then then he cooled off a bit. But he has earned that starting spot, and they have good depth at safety too with Jeremy Reeves, Pro Bowl special teamer, might I add, Jeremy Reeves, and uh, you know they drafted Percy Butler in the fourth round. Their last year, yeah, last year. And he's he's at least looked decent in the preseason. So I think this secondary can take a huge step forward from last last year. And if Chase Young can too, that's a big reason why I have this defense ranked as the fourth in the NFL. Hmm. Yeah, that's great points, Cam. Um, I, I I would say a guy that I'll be watching that I that I always root for is Kendall Fuller. He's a local guy out of Virginia Tech. Um, and then he actually was involved in the Alex Smith trade. So came to Kansas City, won a Super Bowl, and then came back <laughs> to Washington. So not a bad trip if you're going to go and spend a couple years somewhere else. So um, certainly a guy, I would say he's probably the, is he the most veteran guy on the defense? Um, he's up there, right? It um, seems that as, way anyway. You know, yeah. Mo, you know, one, he's one of the more experienced guys in this, on that side of the defense. So um, I think that hopefully he'll have a, have a big season as well. So um, and then do you see Forbes as more of a, do you think he'll be more of like a, uh, like a, an, an, an X dinner, uh, sorry, can't talk, um, <laughs> as a, as a boundary corner, or is he more in the slot? How do you think they'll deploy Forbes this year? He played both in college. Um, I'll, I'll say that I think that it would be smart to start him in the slot because that is one way, you know, he can read those simpler routes on the quick, uh, you know, quick slants. He can click and close really quickly. You know, that that's, he can, he can blow up screens, even though he's small, you know, he, he had a very impressive 
pick six on a screenplay that he just read from before the ball was snapped. It was beautiful uh, this last season. But I think he's going to start off in the slot. Hopefully he can gain a bit of mass and, and play on the outside starting year two. Uh, you know, I initially thought he was playing at 180, and that was concerning to me. And he's at 166. I think that's I, – I don't care if you drafted him 16 overall. That's concerning you at least a little bit. So mm. I think the, the NFL is gonna gonna juice him up a bit. Yeah, not not, <laughs> not actually not that juice. Uh, get, <laughs> that juice. Uh, get get some get some meat on his bones. Give him some peanut butter sandwiches and, and see what he can do. Yep. yep now absolutely. before getting into our last last part, the potential breakouts, I can't forget about special teams because we got uh, Tressway, best punter in the league, maybe. Fan favorite anyway. I think he's yep. at least one of the best punters in the league. He's amazing, Ma- amazing person too. Uh, you see it, people wear their jerseys stamp, and he gets pictures with them and stuff. He's a great guy, on top of a great player. Um, kicker Joey Slyer, Michael Batchley. Uh, whoever wins, it doesn't really matter to me. They're they're fine. Sly looks like a running back though. He's five eleven, two thirteen. He's solid muscle, and then. My favorite PFF second rated special teams uh, group last season behind only Detroit, which surprised me a bit. So, you know, uh, these people don't seem to care about special teams. I'm one of those people, but NFL coaches always talk about it. So, you know, better to have a good special teams than a bad one. Yeah, absolutely. I can't. (laughs) There. Uh, although I will be curious to see how the rule change, uh, you know, and, and so for folks that don't that maybe missed it this offseason, um, the, the rule change is on kickoffs. Anytime that the ball is fair caught uh, behind the 25, um, then the ball is automatically placed um, at the 25. Yeah, um, and right. that is a big change because, you know, there there are teams, the Chiefs being one of them that, you know, w- would purposely kick just a little bit short of the end zone. So that way, you know, they couldn't, the other team couldn't kneel it and would have to bring it out. And they might bring a high kick or something in there to make them at least return it. Um, and basically that is, is entirely eliminated now. So anytime you kick it beyond the 25, if the other, if the receiving team fair catches it, they get at the 25. So I know that um, the league is doing this as a, as I think an effort to try to cut down on there's, you know, they have statistics that are tracking collisions and concussions. And I think this is an effort to what they would say, make the game safer. But I pretty much heard universal hate of it from the coaches. <laughs> I mean, every coach that talked about it said basically like that it, it almost ruins the entire play. Like, why have the play at all? Right. We might as well just have the offense come out at the 25 and have them start there. So we'll see how many times. Um teams actually decide to not fair catch it and bring it out and, and how the, how teams kind of adjust to this rule change. Um, but I, I am, I am, I'm not a fan of it. Um, you know, I agree with you, Cam special teams is a part of the game. It always has been. Um, and, and it's an opportunity for great teams to get an edge on other teams that are not coached up as well or not prepared. Um, and it also special teams is a huge area where guys that, that, aren't quite good enough to break into the starting rotation on offense or defense. That's where they make the team. That's where they make their living, right? They make their living on special teams. So if you're eliminating, you know, a very important part of the, of the game, then, I mean, that's really a lot of guys that, that that's going to make it that much harder for some of the guys further on the roster to ever get an opportunity to make plays. um, If they just go out there and stand and then come back. 
Um, you know, so I, I don't like it. I think most, most people probably hate it, but you know, the league is what it is. Yeah. Special teams has already changed so much. I mean, you go back, you watch Devin Hester and Josh Cribbs just, just 10 to 15 years ago. And those are some of the best plays in all of football. Dante Hall, baby. The human yeah. joystick. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. Well, now that we're done with the most important part of football, the special teams, uh, let's get into a couple potential breakouts. Uh, Alex, did, did you have anyone here or should I take it away? Nope. Nope. I have the last thing I have and we'll talk about last is a matchup I look yes. forward to the most, but yeah, no, take, take us away with the breakouts. All right. So I, I have, I put down three. There are two guys I actually think can have uh real breakout seasons. The first, uh, I said, we talk about him later, uh, tight end Cole Turner. He was a fifth round rookie last season. Didn't get a ton of play time. And he is a bit undersized for an inline tight end. He's six foot six. That's not undersized, but he's 240. So he's slim for his height. And he's currently listed third on the depth chart. But here's why I think he can break out. So he is a very good receiver and he's a decent run blocker. Uh, He lined up in the slot a lot in college and he thrived in contested catch situations. He had 17 contested catches in 2021, his last year in college with a 58.6 contested catch win rate. He can, he's quick. He can run seam routes. We can actually have kind of that vertical threat from, uh, from the slot or from in line. Uh, if he, if he branches out that way and we choose to, which is something that we haven't really had much lately. And on top of that, Logan Thomas is fragile. Uh, it's hard, hard to put it any other way. He's always injured. And John Bates, second on the depth chart, he's a blocker. He's And as I said earlier, there's a very low EPA when throwing the ball to John Bates. It's way down there. So keep him blocking. If Logan Thomas goes down, I think Cole Turner could end up seeing quite a few targets. You know, he played well in this preseason game, the first one. He had a 80.9 PFF grade, so he looked good. Um, and, you know, I, I think he can really start showing up as a receiving threat. Because right now, Logan Thomas is that dump-off guy underneath, and he doesn't really make things happen. And we, we need playmakers uh, to help our sophomore quarterback out. And the other guy I wanted to talk about is uh, free safety Derek Forrest. Now, all Washington fans love this guy. He's not an under-the-radar guy whatsoever in Washington, D.C. But he might be to some other people. Uh, now, he is super fun to watch. He's a little... Little small, not not too small, but he's a little small to play in the box anyway at 5'11, 200 pounds. But he delivers big hits. All right. He was four of the team's nine interceptions last year. Wow. Uh, and as I said, he hit ETN week one last year. Oof, just go go watch it if you want a big hit. Okay. It, it was yes. beautiful. I'm always and, a fan of a big hit. Oh, yeah. Let him and play. Literally every single week last year, he lined up in the box. He lined up in the slot and he lined up as free safety. Every single year had snap snap snaps in all three versatile. spots. Versatile. Yeah. Yeah. Very versatile. He had a missed tackle rate of 7%, which is excellent for a defensive back. Um, league average is roughly about 10.8% for defensive backs. It's even higher than 7% for all positions along uh around the defense as well. So Derek Forrest really stepping into a a full season with the starting role at free safety. 
showing what he can do, his versatility, his ability to make plays, right? We need, we drafted Forbes because we need interceptions. Well, Derek Forrest can make things happen as well. We need turnovers and look to him to, to actually step up, be that late round draft pick who can, who can become another stud just like his buddy Cam Curl. So those are the two guys I have as, as real potential breakouts. And I listed the third guy here. I just, because I want it to happen. I want Diami Brown reunited with Sam Howell, the, the North Carolina buddies. Um, he's clear to, to have a breakout year. Um, you know, he's clearly the fourth wide receiver on the depth chart, which is good, right? Uh, it's not, not lower than fourth, uh, but with this trio in front of him, um, you know, but he's a downfield threat. He can, I believe he was, had five receptions last season for two touchdowns. So they aired out to him and maybe some of that, uh, that synergy with his old quarterback and come back this year. So I, I'm looking to him to at least have a couple exciting plays throughout the year. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Great, great takes on there. Those cam. All right, man, give me your matchup. You're excited for. Okay. Uh, looking at the schedule. Um, and I think I, I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier when we were talking about their offense in general, but um, I have week four going to Philadelphia to play uh, the Eagles. Um, now this is not a primetime game, which I would, that kind of surprised me because I do think the Eagles are obviously going to be, you know, probably in a lot of primetime games. And I, I didn't look and see what their primetime games are, but it's a one o'clock game uh, week four. Uh, the reason I picked this is because like I mentioned, I, I think in the first, you know, five, six games, but by, by the time we get to week seven or something, I think we're going to have a pretty good feel for how, how good or not good this team is. Um, and I think that that's a huge, that's going to be a huge challenge. You know, I mean, I mean, how going into that game against the defending NFC champions, um, who obviously have an excellent defense and are not going to, you know, it's going to be a dogfight. And, uh, you know, I really, I'm, I'm going to, I'm excited to watch that game. I'm excited to see how, how performs in a hostile environment against a division rival. Um, you know, that'll be a big game. I think if somehow, you know, if the offense, can move the ball against the Eagles and uh, and really and they have a great game. I, I would say that would be a really even if they lose the game, that would be a huge boost. I think for for the, just their confidence and that level going into the rest of the season. Um, if they get curb stomped, you know uh, it's going to be tough. It'll be tough to to bounce back from that. Um, you know, being a division game and, and how much that that weighs. So uh, I will be watching closely uh, week four. Uh, Commanders going to Philadelphia. Uh, what about you, Cam? Oh, we're gonna get slaughtered, man. We're that's gonna be a rough <laughs> week. I, I did not choose that week for mine. Uh, I, I have two matches I'm looking forward to. Pre- pretty easy for me to to decide as well because the first is week one. Not just because it's you know week one and we want football to come back, but football. because the Cardinals are not projected to win any game this year <laughs> according to the sports books. It's really yep. funny. Uh, people are making a big deal out of it. That, I think that's always the case for the last place team because why would they be projected to win? But they they are not projected to win any any game, and they are pretty objectively not a strong roster. And it's going to set baseline expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Because if we struggle against the Cardinals, no one's going to have confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if if the Commanders lose, that that's pretty much a death sentence for the season. I. I think if Sam Howell can go out there and get some confidence against a a poor team, uh, then that could really help him throughout mm-hmm. the season. Uh, so that that's week one. 
And then week two. By the way, isn't that Colt McCoy? Isn't Colt McCoy? Am I am I wrong on that? Who's the backup in Arizona? That's because yep. I know that is Colt McCoy, right? Yep. Okay. So friend, friendly face. I'm sure he'll want to come back and beat his old squad. But um, man, you know, just on a side gig cam, you know, yeah. if, if we ever had another opportunity to do different jobs, then we should be backup NFL quarterbacks because oh. You know, you, you, you know, guys like Chase Daniel, I mean, Colt McCoy, you know, they, they maybe play 10 games their whole season, their whole career, if that, you know. I guess Colt McCoy's played a few more than that. But a lot of these back quarterbacks, you know, man, making, you know, making what, 10 to 15 million a year, basically not playing. Uh, that'd be a good job. Oh, it's the best job. Yeah. Yeah. You can just give uh, some locker room speeches and cash your checks. That's it. So, yep. <laughs> so that that's week one, and then there's the Broncos. You know, I I have no real expectations against them. But week weeks uh, three and four are the Bills and Eagles, and mm-hmm. after what I project to be more one sided games because of those teams' ridiculous pass rush against our lesser offensive line, uh, we play the Bears, and that coincidentally is in prime time. And I think if we can come back and against the Bears in prime time and start the season three and two, mm. uh, then I, I think that that sets us up pretty well, well for the season. Cardinals mm-hmm. are certainly beatable. Broncos are certainly beatable. Yep. And then Bills, Eagles, Bears. So, you know, our schedule after that, then just the next two games are the Falcons and the Giants. They're, they're not world beaters by any means. Yep. So the, those games are very much toss-ups right now. I'd, I'd imagine those other teams are slightly favored at the, this moment. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing Sam Howell against Justin Fields in prime time. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and if you and if you if if you know if the Commanders can come out of that at five and two, or you know, or even four and three, I mean, that is like, I mean, that's going to have you know, it, it'll be buzzing in Washington. You know, oh, they'll, yeah. they'll be they'll be they'll be saying Super Bowl. You know, <laughs> at least some we people will. <laughs> yeah, and it's all because of Josh Harris. There you go. Yeah, exactly. All right, man. Any closing thoughts before I wrap wrap this up? Nope. Just you know, excited to see the season. Uh, really, really fun to go do these deep dives with you. And just as a shout out to everybody, um, we are also going to be bringing fans on. So Cam and I obviously covered this one. We're gonna also we have, our next show is going to be a Chiefs deep dive. So we'll probably use the same format. A lot, you know, we'll kind of use the same structure. Um, go through that with just the two of us. And then after that, uh, we are looking to do some other deep dives and bring fans on. So. If you want to come rep your team, uh, you know, and, and talk about some of these things and, you know, tell Cam and I that we're right or tell us that we're horribly wrong, uh, we welcome that. So just, you know, hit us up in the DMs or, or whatever you want to do. Get a hold of us uh, through our through our uh, our YouTube page or, of course, reaching out to us. Uh, let us know you want to come on the show and we will uh, find a way to make that happen. Um, but, yeah, other than that, uh, take us home, Cam. Yeah, reach out, drop a comment. We, we can set up a time to talk to you if if that's something that interests you guys. So thank you for listening to our third ever episode of the F6 podcast. And if you enjoyed this, uh, don't forget to like and smash that subscribe button. It really does help us out. And as Alex said, we're going over the Chiefs uh, this weekend, either this weekend or early next week. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And again, thanks for watching. Have a wonderful day, guys. Peace.